You are listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast. If you are an Indian living abroad, feeling stuck in an average 9 to 5 or a job or business that's not helping you reach your full potential, this is the podcast to tune in where you will find your role models and learn from their dream struggle victory stories. This is your host Ehsan Ali, a long-time IT professional living in Sydney, Australia, who has made it his mission to find and unpack the stories, strategies and life lessons of successful and inspiring Indian expats to help you and I reach our full potential. I'm excited to speak to our guest this week, Kostav Dhar. Kostav is a serial entrepreneur in an interesting niche. His expertise is in building airlines. He takes up the contract as a CEO, builds it, operates for a couple of years and then transfers to the owner. So far, he has built nine airlines across multiple countries. What's intriguing about Kostav's career is that he is a hotel management graduate and started as a chef. I'm curious to know how a chef got into building airlines. It's a big shift. I wonder how he mustered the courage to make the leap. I also want to know the challenges he faced, what worked and what didn't work, what kind of guidance and mentorship he got uh, along the journey. So without further ado, let's talk to Kostav Dhar. Hi Kosta, welcome to the show. Hi, hi Aisan. Such a such a pleasure getting back to you, hearing from you. Thanks for coming on the show, and you have a very very unique story. So I'm quite excited to uncover your story of uh, how a hotel management graduate has become a entrepreneur in airline space where you create airlines. You you run in a BOT model. You build an airline and operate for a while and then transfer it to the owner if i remember right you have already created nine of these and two in progress so very intriguing in my mind and i'm very happy and feeling privileged that you found time to come on the show and share your journey your you know some details are which is running in my mind is what i'll ask but to start with if you could introduce your own way who costa is that would be a good start well i mean thanks it's such a pleasure to be on a show like this uh, you know like i mean for us it's all about aviation or hospitality where you get to speak about the same thing over and over and over again and the personal journeys have never been shared is the sh- what you share is your career and what happened to the airline what went wrong what went right yeah so primarily for a person like me you know i mean coming from a very normal middle class family way back in kolkata doing your hotel school becoming a chef it was very unique for us i mean way back in 1990 92 when i was a chef with the kempensky group of hotels started off and suddenly something happened and i got a promotion to get into the general management program and while doing the general management program what i could understand that just being a chef doesn't really work out you could do a jump and become a general manager and still be the chef which means you are an expert in your own department the food production part of it you are expert in that and you are also in the part of the food services and becoming a general manager the overall perception changed so what i what i have developed over the years after my kempensky stint and then with the park group of hotels and then moving into the sheraton hotels where i started creating the brands called fortune park hotel in the country mid budget segment this experience of being a chef helped me to go into the finer details you know it's like a food costing Mm. and the food costing has its own variables so mm. that's really worked when you create a hotel a hotel created around the food is something everyone prefers 
You can go to a BNB, but it might not have a fancy restaurant in it. Right. And you you still need to walk out of that restaurant of the hotel and go to the next door, have a food. And for if you're looking at a mid market segment, SME is coming and staying with you. So the guy has to have three bills, which he settles, which he goes back to the company, and submits. Out of which one or two might be discarded. So mm-hmm. why not create the same thing within a hotel? So that's yeah. how the Fortune Park brand came up, wherein everything was in store for him. Those were the days when. internet was coming in so internet was a very very costly affair in the country a person could go into the cyber cafe inside the hotel so from there slowly during the itc days during my itc shirtan days when i was creating the fortune park hotel in one of those flights out of mumbai to kolkata i happened to meet uh, the chairman of this uh, small airline called sahara mm-hmm. sahara airlines mr subrat roy sahara he was the co passenger with me i mean it was i wouldn't call a co passenger i mean i had a business class seat I was sitting in a seat, and a team came and said, "Oh no, this is reserved for our chairman because the chairman only sits in this one Delta, one Charlie seat." So, being a Sheraton guy, you're used to particular systems and standards, mm-hmm. and you are supposed to protest. I stood up and I said, "Sorry, I, I care a damn who's your chairman. I bought mm-hmm. this ticket. I have the seat. I am sitting here. I'm not moving." Mm-hmm. So then I see this gentleman, the chairman of Sahara Group, come in, had a talk with me. I mean, very, very senior gentleman. So I moved to another seat. So he said, "No, you sit next to me." And the flight which uh, happened from Mumbai to Lucknow and Lucknow to Kolkata, Mumbai to Lucknow was about nearly about one or thirty minutes flight, changed my entire life. Mm-hmm. So during this whole conversation, he started asking about hotels, what we do, and he started saying about airlines. So I gave a lot of insights about the airlines, what could be done, what must be done, and that happened. Went off. Nine eleven happened. The aviation industry was going through a doldrums, and suddenly I get a call from a Sahara Group asking that can I fly down to Lucknow to meet the chairman of Sahara Group? I was very intrigued that yeah. after the 9/11, the world is coming to a collapse as far as aviation is concerned, and why am I being called? So went there, I met all aviation stalwarts sitting there, and very simply, the chairman asked me, "What do you feel? You're a hotelier. What do you feel? What should we do as an airline?" I said, "So this is an opportunity." The whole world is coming to a collapse. Aircrafts are going cheap. Pick up aircrafts, build up a brand. There was a pin drop silence. So I cared a hoot. I was not an employee of his, so I could <laughs> say anything and get away with it. Yeah. And he said, "Could you negotiate on behalf of us because you negotiate hotels from one another?" I said, "Yes. If you hire me, if you take me, I could do that." And that was the turning point of my life. I was recruited then and there itself as a general manager. For Sahara India Pariva, the first non-airliner person to be recruited as general manager, and in, was in given the airline, op- in, the in the airline industry in the segment, and was given an opportunity. Well, that's how it started. That's how the journey journey started. That's fascinating. You know, it sounds like a dream come true. But what was the conversation in the airline that uh, created? So, in in the in the corporate uh, world there, where I lived in in the IT sector. we always mm-hmm. talk about your career story or your unique selling point or business value proposition and things like that so when you meet somebody you should have some sort of elevator speech where you say exactly what value you add and so on and so forth so in your case this is a long flight and different conversations happened do you remember anything what happened in that conversation that left a strong impression uh, on the sahara chairman that he called you later well the only thing what i said was that airline as an industry 
prohibits who doesn't have the capacity to travel. It is not very inviting. Those were the days when airline couldn't be afforded by normal people. A student couldn't afford an airline. He would look at the train, buses, trains, road transport. And if it's an emergency, he would borrow money to get into an airline, which was like a dream. Mm. So why couldn't these things be changed? Well, those were the days when, uh, I mean, EasyJet and Ryanair were looking at about a $1, one euro tickets. And I said, no, it's not necessary. After that, though, Deccanair came for the mm. common people at a low price. I said, no, that's not necessary that you have to cut every services and make the person feel like he has to run to get his seat. Mm. That's not necessary. Mm. You can still do it. So he said, how? I said, like the food and beverage, what you are doing on board, being a chef myself, I said, the cost of this shouldn't be more than 100 rupees those days, which is what a one, one and a half dollar. He said, what are you saying? I said, yeah, that's the cost. That's the food cost. He said, we pay about 700 rupees. I said, that's where the mis- mistake goes because you don't have the right professionals who can reduce in the cost and can do things. This is it the same standard food you are serving to people? Why can't we make changes? Why can't one things seventh, be done? The food cost yes, yes, should be one seventh. Okay. One seventh. Mm-hmm. And we could do it very fancily. He said, what? How? I said, you have a business class. People in the afternoon flight does not want to have the same soggy rice and dal and subsidies and others. Why can't we have sandwiches on board? He said, how do you have a sandwich? I said, you have to do a tray. Train your uh, crew. I'll train your crew. He said, can you do it? I said, yeah, I'll train your crew. And we'll have a live food counters on, on, the, on board. He said, all right. So that was a big shock for him. And there were so many things that we started. The first Sahara was the first airline to remove all the cutleries, metallic cutleries. I said, you are adding to your weight to the aircraft. He said, no one told me this. I said, you ask, how much is the weight of your, each of the galley carts? You can reduce that by reusable cutleries, which can be thrown away. You reduce on the cost. Your cost of your cleaning, recycling, everything goes off. Is it all right? This You're is fascinating, Kostav. Uh, I really liked it. So, And all this knowledge that uh, you demonstrated was coming from your experience in building uh, the uh, hotel that you were Absolutely. working in. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So what is the main driver when you build a hotel which has food as the uh, main center of attraction? So. It was all about the cost or quality or, uh, you know, the presentation or it's all together. And how did you go about learning those? Did you get uh, trained in the, you said you got trained or you had a training to become a director. So you learned there or how did you go about these learnings? Looks like powerful uh, set of learnings you had uh, in the hotel. I had an experience. I uh, I would say that, you know, because uh, maybe I was working two shifts, three shifts at a time. I mean, I mean, I had nothing to do those days while people might... Batchmates and others were dating. I didn't have the money to go for dates. So primarily, <laughs> I mean, I was not, not like that. I, I felt like I could do multiple jobs at the time. What really worked for me was during this Diwali and your Christmas New Year time when most of the people would like to go back to their home and opportunities was available in other departments. Like I would finish off my food and beverage shift and there was opportunities in the reception, in the front office. Hmm. I, I was offering to my general manager that why can't I go and work there? You know, I mean, you have shortage of staff. I'm a decent, well-learned guy. I was good at the computers and everything. Mm. So I found that within six months time, I was rotated in most of the departments. Though my core area remained food and beverage. So that was mm. a fantastic learning mm. with the Kempensky mm. group of hotels. Mm. Mm. Now, did you uh, think that you would be running hotel and you were learning all these things with that mindset? Or what was the mindset when you were going in every department and learning how things work? 
I wanted to rise up the rank very fast. Okay. All right. I mean, I didn't have any uh, support system per se mm. in the hotel. My mm. parents come, my dad comes from a pure engineering background, nothing to do with the hotels. Mm. So I, I understood that I had to do my own things, my own way. Mm. And that was the reason for me. It was important to know how the hotel runs, what goes in finances, how the finances work, mm. how the systems work mm. and how we could, you know, like modernize the systems. So I was learning at the incorporating new things. Those are the things which really helped me. And the hotels also, I mean, my general managers, I've been thankful to my bosses, my CEOs and general managers who send me for a lot of trainings, uh, which really helped me. A lot of trainings, a lot of international trainings. Those were the day a lot of international brands were coming to the country. So cross trainings helped me. Okay. And those, what we could implement within the country, that really helped. It's like, it's your passion. Yeah, it's your passion. That. How and, you uh, do it? A couple of quick questions in the hotel and then we come on the airline. That's what I'm intrigued about, how you do it. In the hotel industry, uh, you did pretty good job. Uh, did you have any, do you remember any challenges which was uh, something very, very difficult uh, to overcome and that created a good learning that you were able to utilize in other businesses that you have built? Well, one fantastic learning when I was creating this Fortune group of hotels was we were build, we were picking up uh, three star hotels, threes and four stars hotels, and converting and bringing them into a brand. Okay. So it's like a non branded hotel owned by an owner. You bring up the standards, get the brand of your Sheraton hotels, Sheraton's ITC hotels. So it was quite a learning. You know, upgradation had to be done. This gentleman did right the yo yo or what's the the hotel? No, brand? Oyo. 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 Yeah. Oyo is doing it for the houses, uh, guest yeah. houses and other things. But similar but thought ours, process where you, you also took yeah, the three we star and then converted the, raised the standard, systemized it and brought it under right. one umbrella. That's right. So it could be sold under the Sheraton brand, ITC brand. Right. That's what Got we're it. doing. So while doing this, there was a fantastic hotel down in the south, uh, southern part of the country in a place called Tiruvananthapuram, Trivandrum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, called yeah. South Park. So when I went there, I found that owners were, everything was fine but he would not take anyone who did not speak the language. Right. Mm. So, and because of that, he was limited to his kitchens or in food and beverage to the people who had a particular palate. And Just most the of the people, yeah. yeah. So most of the people from the Northern part of the country would come, but not stay or have the food outside. So mm. this mindset, changing this mindset took me a lot of time. Mm. So what we had to do was, I mean, though I was more like a general manager going over there and helping them and everything, I had to, again, get, get back into my chef caps and started cooking with those guys oh. and I had to tell them that what changes were required. It was a fantastic learning. Mm. And we created a Punjabi food festival, I recall, way back, this was in 2000. Intravandam, a Punjabi food festival. And well, for the first two days, I had every Malayalam speaking coming from Punjabi food and, and enjoying it. Because it was not a Punjabi food at all. It had all coconut coconut oil. It was everything cooked in coconut oil. Interesting. Suddenly, then we started really serving the Punjabi food. The mm. tandoori, tandoori food and step, everything. Yeah. And people said, what is this? Oh, we never knew a tandoori chicken tested like this. I said, yeah, the tandoori chicken doesn't have coconut oil in it. created in tandoor. And that's how the palate came in. The word of mouth newspaper wrote about it. And we yeah. started getting in people. We started getting in people and people started understanding that it's not about how it's not your home where you serve the food, what you eat. It is mm. what the people like is what you start serving. 
Right. And that was a fantastic learning, which I carried out all my life. I'm carrying it still now in my industry also. That, yeah. I mean, it's not what you love, it's what you serve. What yeah. others love yeah. is serve. It is served the way you want it. That's yeah. how it is. And I love this uh, statement you always give, Kostam, that I'm a chef. So you've been building airlines for, I don't know, a couple of decades now, but you still say I'm a chef. And everything yes, that am. you do you always bring back to that core, like as a chef, this is how I thought. As a chef, this is how I did it. And you know, that's very fascinating, very, very interesting. So I got the idea. So hotel industry was definitely helpful. I think one of the uh, takeaway for me in here is in a hospitality industry, if you are passionate about it, you get really good at understanding uh, what customer needs is, and you become passionate about fulfilling their needs rather than you know, trying to do your own stuff. And if you do it for a for a period of time, you become very tuned towards it. So you are constantly looking at how to serve the customer, how to create a customer delight rather than just do your job. Hotels teach you one thing, Asan. That's what we as old school hoteliers know. It hotels makes you a good listener. Listener, yeah. 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 So the more you listen to what the people want, is more you deliver using yeah. your brain. Yeah. That's what hotel teaches you. Yeah. And airline teaches you to be a more often, you know, executioner. So good listening, good listening and execution makes a very deadly combination. Awesome. So let's come to the airline space now. So few things I want to understand. Of course, your journey started with Sahara, what you did. But what, what really intrigues me is uh, you have built nine airlines so far and another two you are building. You come from hotel management background. So for me, airline has got a lot of risk. From the, 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 the financial part is heavy. The life risk is heavy. And uh, chances of failing is very, very high, especially if you come from a non-airline uh, background. So how did, all it, how did all start you know, from Sahara days to now building nine airlines? Give me a little bit of insight into that. Give me that insight. What did you do in Sahara? And when did you decide I know enough to build airline on my own? Fundamentally, I mean, uh, till now, I don't know enough to build an airline of my own. It is, okay. I'm still on that experimenting phase, but I mean, uh, I have been lucky with my experiments. Let's put it okay. this way. <laughs> okay. But during the Sahara, Sahara had been a fantastic learning. Uh, the reason was very simple. We started back Air Sahara from a Sahara Airlines just after 9-11. I mean, people of our generation, your generation also knows what happened to 9-11 and how the aviation was completely collapsed all over the world. When this collapse was happening, two, three airlines survived. Big way. One is Air Asia. Tony Fernandez went ahead, started picking lock, stock, and barrel Airbus 320s and built Air Asia, which became a history, which is still a history in its own. We as a Sahara was another small airline which picked up 35 aircrafts from Boeing because there was no taker for Boeing those days hmm. and built up. So our, in 2002, January, when we relaunched it as an Air Sahara, our chairman's message was very simple that we want to be the India's largest airline. Right. We had those days Air India, Indian Airlines, and Jet Airways as a competition. Mm. Right. We, and he said, please, in the airline, wherein when the people comes in, they only look at Sahara. And our, they said, I'm not going to question you how you do it. We want the numbers. So there were some very crazy things which we, which we had done. In two years, we had inducted 35 aircrafts. Till date, I don't think uh, the largest... Expansion has been done by Indigo. They haven't been able to also do 35 aircrafts in two years. 
they have done maximum of 20 aircrafts in two years. So we have done 35 it, aircrafts. And you were responsible for this whole thing, or it was a team? I was a part. I was a part of the team. The CEO, Mr. UK Bose, okay. uh, Mr. Alok Sharma, and myself. We okay. were a part of the three, four member team which had done that. There was so. What was the mantra? The mantra was very simple: that one fine day we decided to launch 100 flights in a single day, all across the country. 100 one flights. One day launching 100 flights in a day. 100 flights, yeah, in a day all across the country. So we had all the stations, and so we said, okay, we would not get any more VIPs as we call it, ministers and others. We will only get the corporate CEOs to come and launch these flights. And the media to cover it up. So every city we went, we launched 100 flights in a single day, all across the exact. We had 100 corporate CEOs and MDs to come, launch the flight, the media to cover. And next day morning, my corporate sales team was there in those companies to get a contract signed from them, that their management and the team only flies with Air Sahara. Mm, so that's how we, that's how we started off. We did something. i won't call it an unethical it was very ethical i mean there are a lot of listeners would be listening mm. so we went to the psus the government offices mm. so you got the government uh, officers the managers and the general managers mm. who were entitled not to fly business class mm. so we promoted them to business class we gave them upgrade vouchers three upgrade mm. vouchers to fly in business class mm. and our business class was very different so when the boarding was happening we would allow the people to board the business class people to board first mm. sit down be very comfortable there'll mm. be given those champagne flute mm. with having the drinks and everything no mm. liquor mm. on board and after 15 minutes we would allow the economy class passengers to go about mm. so when the economy passengers were passing by the mm. front four rows of business class people sitting comfortably were reading the newspaper in a lovely seat having those drinks there was an elation mm. you know that sense of mm. deja vu was there with a lot of this government officers who was there <laughs> so after mm. three times or four times when they have been spoiled they given <laughs> business class mm. they could not go back into air india's economy ever mm. so most of these government offices changed the corporates sitting mm. the general manager and others will fly with sahara's business class at a discount mm. and the whole company would fly with uh, air sahara in the economy okay fantastic in the economy so, so these are all good business uh, uh, strategy or techniques i would say and uh, the uh, 100 launch is big it's still there launch. i mean it's there in the and uh, you can go it into the youtube and it's there in a lot of uh, sites and others so we did that we remain the first airline in the country in the in this part of the world who launched a 1 rupee ticket yeah i right? think not taken 1 rupee ticket one yeah. yeah it was called steal a seat that was a promotion which we launched in which mm. you could buy a ticket you could bid a ticket mm. and you can buy a ticket for 1 rupee mm. so, so we had bidding These are all uh, case study marketing uh, concept. 100%, 100%. That's what we we created. We created for people a very interesting, you know, brochure. Today you see all this in-flight magazines selling a lot of things which was there in the international in India. We were the first ones who could give you a, a brochure in which you can choose whatever you want. You it's delivered at the airport. And all those brochures which we created every month, we would not send it to you at all. We would send it to your wife. as a policy <laughs> interesting that's of the month mm. and so most of the wives would push them push the husbands to say that please fly with sahara because i want this thing to be brought in mm. Mm. so so where does where did these uh, marketing ideas used to come from you had built a marketing team or it was that we top? had a marketing team it was a marketing team was there we had a very good branding team branding with percept team. 
uh, company called Percept Dmark, which is mm-hmm. one of the largest, finest companies. They did fantastic work for us, right. the designing part of it. But this whole marketing, there was, we had a fantastic CEO called Mr. UK Bose and Mr. Uh, Alok Sharma. Along with us, we created all this. And while we were moving at a very high pace, we decided to go international. Hmm. So the first airline, first private airline in the country to go international was Air Sahara. Hmm. We started off with Colombo. Hmm. Within two months, we moved into uh, Kathmandu. We moved to Singapore. I was promoted as the general manager of Southeast Asia, the first international employee of Sahara Group, which has more than about 100,000 employees. Hmm. And started Singapore. We started Kuala Lumpur. We started United Kingdom operation much hmm. before Jet Airways could be there. And on a court share to U.S., so right. we yeah. did within a six months time. You guys were growing as uh, as the air. What was your strength at that point in time? So now you you were brought in from um, the hotel industry uh, because of your acumen and the thought process. And now you are in the airline industry. And now you've been promoted as general manager for Southeast Asia. What was your core strength at that time? Do you remember why you were given the accountability to build airline in outside India? Well, first and foremost was my interlining capabilities. I was pretty good with speaking to most of these airlines worldwide. I speak multiple languages. I speak a lot of languages of Southeast Asia. So I could easily go there, adapt, uh, get things done faster than anyone else. Uh, That really helped me. So Southeast Asia was completely there. We had our partners at Singapore Airlines, Malaysian, Philippine Airlines, China Southern Airlines, Vietnam Airlines. So before Air India, who was there for about 60 years, could go in and become a partner. I was there. I was. We were there aligned with about 112 airlines at that point of time. I'm speaking of 2005, 2006. Interesting. Uh, what was driving this kind of speed? You know, the, the way you support, talk, is, it's intriguing. You know, to me, it's intriguing. Support from your chairman. Support from your chairman. The chairman mm-hmm. believed in you. The chairman believed in the brand. I believed in the brand. And that's about it. We believed that we could create a global brand. Because at one point of time, chairman very categorically said that when the time will come, we'll sell it off. So mm. I had to create those brands for my own learning before the company could be sold. So I was very clear. I knew that in two years, the company would be sold mm. at whatever XYZ price. So why not create? Why not learn? So I started grabbing. I grabbing most of the things, most of the learnings. Mm. And I'm very lucky that I was a part of the team which sold Sahara to Jet Airways way back in 2006. So fast forward, you guys sold the airline to jet in in profit in a huge profit that's right and you were instrumental in that uh, whole i was a part of the team yes i was a part of the four member team which could do that any learning uh, any learning because this is a this is a case study in negotiation and i don't know what else i can call it something which is going in loss you sell it for huge profit the case study is very simple that what sells is a brand what sells is a perception nothing beyond that sells Today, you buy an X uh, amount of shirt or a brand of shirt or a brand of trouser only in the perception. A Levi's is a Levi's not because of its durability. It's because of the brand. Hmm. So it's what you create in a brand is that that is what matters. Hmm. Sustainability in the brand is not very important. What is important is someone in that me too bracket. People say, yes, me too. That's hmm. that what matters. What is standard? I mean, there is nothing called standard. A McDonald's burger in Australia would taste completely different from a McDonald's same burger in Indonesia Mm. or in Philippines or in India or in Middle East. Mm. All the burger patty would taste according to the local taste. 
But right. what remains as a brand is a McDonald's. Hmm. Hmm. I get that. We created a strong, very, very strong brand. So I what learning that. I pick up from there was create your brand, create a sense of longing for your competition that sense they want your brand. Yeah. They want your brand. They want to grab your brand. And the moment it is there that they want to grab your brand is the time you take your exit. Please let them have it. It's quite interesting. Quite fascinating as well. So by this time, had you learned how to build an airline? Yes, I did. Because internationally, when I was building up um, our bases in Singapore and London and other places, where I've been shifting all over the globe, I learned how to create an airline, how to set up an airline, because I was talking to a lot of small airlines over there, uh, learning the airport operations, which was not very you know, apt for me. I learned the engineering operation, how to create mm-hmm. an engineering base. Yeah. So I'm not an engineer. I'm, hard yeah, yeah, I'm a pure yeah. chef. Yeah. <laughs> pure so, chef. <laughs> pure chef. So uh, I don't know what engineering. But now I am a very, very strong techno commercial person in the aviation mm-hmm. industry. So I understand mm-hmm. engineering aircraft uh, maintenance part of it very strong. Mm-hmm. So that was the learning. Anytime, uh, this... uh, uh, Scott, sorry, I cut you Anytime you felt any fear like, oh, I'm a chef guy and what the hell am I doing? And, you know, somebody is putting in so much of money and what if something goes wrong? When you were building the Southeast Asia operations, uh, did you have any time this feeling of uh, not being enough to do the job that you were doing? No, exactly. You know, Asan, that's a problem with me. Whenever I say, <laughs> if someone is in front of me and I say, I'll do it, then there is no going back for me. Let's make it happen. I mean, oh, one, I mean, one is two others and deep inside, did you ever feel like I'm a chef and now I'm putting in, using somebody's money to build airline and it's a big thing. There's so much goes in airline versus, I mean, in chef, yes, you have lots of, lots of things to think and you have already worked out the costing in terms of building hotels and things like that. But this airline becomes at a much larger scale, if I understand right. Yes, absolutely. So, but I you know, I mean, there is a very small learning I have done in my life. Hmm. There was a time when I was uh, wooing my wife, hmm. right? Hmm. And I met her for the first time and said, you know, I'm going to get married to you. She said, you're a mad guy. I mean, we have not started dating. I said, no, no, I want to get married to you. Hmm. And after that, I decided that there's no turning back. Hmm. Right. So it's been nearly about a 24 years of journey together. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my wife and every point of time I said like that time when I promised that I'm not going to go back I just found out a way to move ahead learn move ahead and that's mm-hmm. exactly what I do it in my career mm-hmm. whenever I said I'll do it I'll find out a way I'll find out a way absolutely that's that's how it is that's for anyone who's listening is mm-hmm. the moment you believe in yourself and you said that you're going to do it you mm-hmm. will do it you will find out a way you will find out a way mm-hmm. that's how it is today you you are doing podcasts from an IT guy, <laughs> you believed, you tried, you yeah. believed and you're doing I, it. I heard for the part, the, the word podcast in February this year and I launched mine in May. So, Just imagine. Yeah. So that's, but this that's is, uh, I mean, cost of, this is very different than airline where there's a lot no, at exactly stake. Okay. No, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not. Okay. It's, what do you believe? The yeah. airline is, it's a combination of people. What All you, right. what people need to understand is everything in an airline, what people make a mistake is about technicality. No, it's not about technicality. Right. It's about your human factor. The mm. way you treat your people, the way you manage them, the way you are with them is how your airline is going to behave. Mm. Be a smallest of technician, right? If you are upset, you go and abuse him. What mm. he has to do is just go and open up a screw in one of your engines. So that's it. Gone. Right? Your operation is gone. Mm. Your pilot, I mean, you upset a pilot just because you're upset. 
Mm. And he says, sorry, I'm not going to fly. I'm not well. Nothing in the mm. world can make you fly. Yeah. Mm. It's about human capital. The way mm. you treat them, the way you manage them mm. makes your airline best airline. And that's what I, the learning I learned from Subhrata Roy Sahara, who was the chairman of Sahara. And mm. Mm. He taught mm. us it's your family. The way mm. you treat your family is how it's going to happen. And mm. Sahara became Sahara with such a profit. We sold it. It's because of the people who were there, who believed the chairman, who believed the product. who believed each one of them was a family so mm-hmm. till today you'd be surprised mm-hmm. we sold the airline in 2006 2007 mm-hmm. till today whenever we meet an ex sahara we do this thing and we say sahara pranam oh wow interesting we we don't say good morning and good afternoon this is this was the learning of us it still goes on with us so it's, awesome. it's very interesting very interesting so i think your hotel management background and uh, working in different departments then being a general manager uh, running the operations Uh, looking at uh, pnl all of those things was a good foundation and of Fantastic. course the the relationship the connection the mentorship all these things definitely helped so you had the um, blessing of the chairman then you got into the leadership role uh, where you you have direct access access to the vision of the company and then of course you were driven you just wanted to make things happen that was important so i i, I can now see uh, how things have worked for you so let's move on from here yeah. so you left uh, when so after you sold uh, the sahara was sold you came out and then you started yes i i got an op- opportunity to work with the jet airways but then there was the learning of uh, managing a station i had already learned so i i was yearning for more so i had to create there was a time when it was like more for a creation So one of those days when I was still in Singapore, one early morning we used to have a flight from Singapore to Delhi. The Singapore authorities called me at the airport and they said, you know, we have got a very unruly guest of yours. Please come and assist. So I found out a family over there from there was this gentleman with three four kids. So they had guns, toy guns, mm. and Singapore in Singapore they had opened up those guns which looked like real guns and they were firing in the airport. They were playing with them and firing and Singapore authorities came, grabbed them. stop them from getting into the flight so i reached met them and then i told the singapore authorities this is this thing we'll put it on the not on the hand baggage and so these guys were very upset they said you know i don't we don't have that kind of singapore money now to stay back and what happens to our flight i said all right we'll take care of that so i made them comfortable put them in a hotel spoke what is the airline why they shouldn't do that and the family went up he was a small businessman from gurgaon so when sara was getting sold one fine day i get a call from this same gentleman Mr. Isarino, Kostov. After I spoke to you, I thought I'll start an airline. I said, "Wow, wonderful!" He said, "Why don't you come and meet me?" So I said, "I was in Delhi, so I went and met him in his office." He said, "I want to do an airline. I don't know how to do it." So I said, "Sir, I'll do it for you." And I bit my tongue after saying, "I'll do it for you." I said, "Shit, I have said it." He said, "Okay, okay, come on board." So anyway, Sara was closing, was getting sold. It was happening, so I came on board. Extremely risky from an international position. Come to Gurgaon. Gurgaon was still those days very raw, uh, with a person who has never seen an airline. He couldn't speak a single word of English. He's still today speaks good morning, good afternoon, and thank you. These are his things. Mm-hmm. And wanted to start an airline, and that was the start of an airline called MDLR. Wherein I asked him, "What would you like to call your airline?" He said, "My father's name is Murli Dhar, and my son's name is Lakaram. So I would like to call it Murli Dhar Lakaram Airline." I literally fell off the chair. Yes, sir, I'm not. <laughs> I could never believe that I will be working for an airline as a CEO called Mullidha Lakharam Airline. It was, it was a big shock, but then we created a brand out of that. We created MDLR, which means Mullidha Lakharam, 
as an airline. He wanted, he was very clear that I want, I don't want to serve any non-vegetarian food on board. You know, in mm-hmm. 2006, 2007, people hadn't heard that, you know, you could just serve vegetarian food and get away with it. And we created an airline with about 15 different cuisines on board, all vegetarian, fancy. Thanks to my being a chef mm. in the past. That has always treated, helped across this whole helped. idea. Yeah, it helped. And training the people. And he said, you know, I don't want to hire any girls escaping crew from, from any of the cities. I said, what is this? He said, no, 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 no. I want, to, I want to hire people from villages and small towns. So he said, I come from a city called Sirsa in, Gurga, uh, in Haryana. Many people have not even heard. So I want to do it from those, those communities. I said, all right, okay. So we started going around. I started going around into the deep India, wherein you have absolutely fantastic personnel who are there, who can speak English a little bit, but very, very dedicated. So our mm. workforce were 80% from villages. Mm. And we use this as an opportunity, wherein all our girls for the cabin crew, whom we recruited, the rule was very simple, that whenever you are going back home after your duty, you have to wear your uniform. If you're going to your village also, you'll be wearing your uniform and going to your house. And while coming back for duty, you'll have to wear uniform and coming to your, coming and joining. It's like an army where you what do was it. The, what was the purpose? The pride, the pride. The, uh, in front of the villagers, the family would stand and say, this is my daughter, you know, PLR mm. Airlines. And this worked very interestingly when we started a flight into a place called Kulu in the Himalayas. Yeah, Kulu, yeah. Uh, Kulu, Kulu takes yeah. about, fantastic, you know, it takes about 15 hours drive from Delhi to Kulu. We were doing it in 45 minutes, became wow. one of the most profitable sectors ever in the history of Indian aviation. And we were operating, we had girls from Himachal hmm. and people would stand at the airport to tell other people and everyone and tourists, this is, this is the airline of ours. It's our airline. My yeah. daughter works there. It's my airline. So that wow. belongingness yeah. pride was fantastic. Right. That is what we created. So mm-hmm. we didn't bring in people from Delhi, Mumbai, Kolkata, Chennai. We had people from there and everyone would not allow a single guest to be upset. The flight was delayed. I had seen, Asan, this is something uh, learning I've never heard in my own life. There was a weather issue mm-hmm. and we could not land. Hmm. The villagers, two of my cabin crew family hmm. served lunch from their house to 80 of my guests at the airport. My God, that's interesting. Saying that this is our airline, our airline, my uh, daughter's airline, uh, and I want to treat you. Wow. And not a single guest who came back in the flight ever complained. Wow. So these are some things, the decisions which are taken at the moment by people for which you know, I mean, you play with your heart. And that's what the airlines which I've created, from MDLR to Jackson to all of them, including Zoom. It's all about passion, how you create it. So as a, just as a summary, so MDLR, which you uh, operated for a couple of years, then you give it to them. I was for, yeah, two, three years, and I handed over to them. Then I went to an airline called Jackson. Jackson. Uh, was, Jackson was that two in years. India? India or in it's in country? India. It, okay. it was in India. We created the Jackson along with this Afro RJ aircrafts, yeah. created and handed over to the owners. Yeah. Uh, after two years, for one year, I was with an airline called Ranair. Right. Well, it was pre that one year I have to create the airline and hand it over. Yeah. Did that. Then I created India's ultra luxury coach service called Olivia for okay. two years. Air One did best here in Bangladesh for Dr. Haider Uzaman. That was again a very, very fancy airline out of Bangladesh. 
which worked wonders. Skylar Airlines in Thailand came back to the country again to start Zoom Air. Zoom Air, that's where you are right now. Yeah, I'm there with the Zoom Air again as a CEO and assisting the management. Along with that, there are two more airlines which we have created recently called Air Nomad in which place? Uh, Nomad in? Kyrgyzstan. It's Kyrgyzstan. out of a place in Bishkek. Bishkek, so, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, okay. Kyrgyzstan. So that's again a scheduled airline out of Kyrgyzstan, which I've helped. I have helped two cargo airlines in the country and now setting up two more airlines. That's on the pipeline, which is happening. That's interesting. I mean, intriguing for me, still intriguing. Any failure? I mean, let's not call failure, yes, but yes. big, big learning because it's a... It's a different world. Airline is a different yes, world. Is. There's so many moving paths and so many things could go wrong. Do you remember any, your biggest failure or biggest learning where you still think like, oh, I wish I could have done it differently? Well, when you create airlines or you help create airlines, there are ups and downs because there are opposing forces. Yeah. The biggest force remains your uh, CAA, Civil Aviation Authority, right. who has their own guidelines to follow. There are lessors who takes it in a different way altogether. Uh, at the last moment, they would provide the aircraft or not. A lot of things, a lot of factors work in that. So that is one which uh, really worked. I was setting up an airline called Bishwo, B-I-S-H-W-O, or this was way back in 2014. Hmm. Fantastic operation. It was supposed to be one of those best luxury airline out of Nepal hmm. uh, for an entrepreneur hmm. uh, who had an X amount of fun. He started off. But uh, op- what we missed, I mean, I also missed, I, I'll take the responsibility also, was not to check his finances regularly. So mm-hmm. six months into the startup, in the phase when it was ready, the aircraft were done, we found that he didn't have, what he was promised, the funds and other things, couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So it couldn't be started off. Well, uh, unfortunately, the Nepal earthquake happened and mm-hmm. everything fell apart. Mm-hmm. So the airline did not happen. It didn't hamper my career. Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's not a great thing to say. Yeah, yeah, earthquake, yeah. The earthquake was very devastating in, yeah, all across Nepal. I stayed during the, those days in Nepal and I've seen, I was physically present during both the earthquake mm-hmm. in Nepal and mm-hmm. it was really, really devastating. It was devastating, yes. Yeah. So, but that was a fantastic thing. If it could have been there, I mean, it was done on the lines of the gentleman wanted a kingfisher to be created out of Nepal. Kind of thing. It was right. very, very interesting proposition with a brand new, different kind of aircrafts which we were bringing. We were bringing the Sukhois from Russia, the first mm. operator in Asia to have operated Sukhois, mm. uh, but couldn't happen. So that's the biggest regret. That's one of the so, largest regret I have. So involved with now airlines together, maybe eleven and Sahara together, maybe twelve or something like that. Uh, what's your sweet spot in terms of where you feel? really, really strong because there's so many elements in building an airline. What's your sweet spot? If you want a full service airline, which is affordable and yeah. people can, and you want to go it into odd places where no one goes, then I am your man. Got it. So if you, if you want to do a, yeah, if you want to do a low cost airlines for public and go to the places where everyone goes, I might not be the right man. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. What is that called? Full service airline. It's a full service. If you want to do a full service airline, a regional airline, yeah. and definitely have a passion to go into the places where no one has gone, Nobody no one has flown, okay. and you want to try out something very interesting, then please give me a call. Yeah, Anywhere well, in the world. Interesting. Just curious, uh, are there people like you uh, who do this kind of BOT model for uh, building airlines or it's a very yes, unique? Yes, there are. There are people. There are, there are, there are people. 
I had an opportunity to jointly work with this, one of the gentlemen called Mr. Harsh Vardhan. Mm-hmm. This gentleman was the chairman of a company called Vayudut way back. Vayudut, yeah, yeah, about twenty-five years, twenty-five years back. So those days, the gentleman had opened up hundred stations in a span of three months, and yeah. he tried to create a, a proposition like that. But I, I mean, the things were different. The airport authority was not ready. The aviation industry was not ready. So I happened to work with him when we were creating MDLR together. I saw that and I learned that yes, this could be done. Today, India is speaking about hundred airports they have created in last three years. Another hundred airports are coming in next two years in India. Mm. And yeah, yeah. So India is going to about nearly about three hundred airports, three hundred three hundred fifty airports in next next two years. You will have in India. My and speed. It's a crazy speed. Crazy speed. So that kind of movements are there in the country. but mm. someone has to connect them someone has to connect these dots mm. and i prefer to do that i prefer mm. to do connecting these dots odd dots okay. you know I and mean, who would have thought flying from azol into chandigarh or mm. from agartala into chennai non stop oh, yeah. i prefer to do that yeah that's quite quite odd that's very interesting concept so the reason i ask you that question are there other people is uh, looks like you have carved your own journey and you know we all agree that there's nothing called self made uh, successful person we look up to someone we learn learn from someone uh, you know in some form or the other sometimes you may not even meet that person you just hold that person okay. in high regard as a role model and you try to uh, you know do things the way other person would do something like that or you meet in person get guided by so is are there people you would like to call out one gentleman harshwardhan you called out yes and, i would like to call mr uh, i would like to you know give my all this passion and of you know full service and others to a gentleman whom people might not like to be named mm. called dr vijay malia i am okay. in awe of that gentleman all right okay. a yeah. man uh, who shook away singapore airlines cathay pacific and virgin atlantic three of them at one go with a airline called kingfisher yeah just the might of the service the might of an airline what yeah. went wrong i don't want to get into it i don't want yeah. to get into what the financials were there Yeah. the airline was fantastic one yeah. of the best airlines best managed airlines all across the country mm. and very very well ahead of its time well mm. ahead of its time mm. i mean whatever might have happened internally is mm. none none of my thing mm. but as an airline as an airliner i have seen the way things were i've seen the way it was run mm. fantastic operation wise it was a well oiled machine operation wise product wise when you see an airline as a product it is way ahead of its time i think excepting virgin today mm. no one has been able to do something like that mm. and they were operationally they were profitable in whatever they were yes. doing okay yeah okay. they were i mean then after that it went haywire in the last few years it went haywire mm. but i mean we had jet airways those days we had everyone but very 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 i mean yes. fantastic airline i'm very impressed with your journey and can i say this you connected with right people really well that could be one of your success mantra or not mantra success reasons because end of the day uh, everybody seems to be talented kind of above average but not everybody gets the opportunity to prove themselves unless you 100%. have people who trust you and even if you do some mistakes you know somebody will be uh, behind you it's very yeah. difficult to create something extraordinary in kind 100% i mean i would say that i would say that and i've been very fortunate on that that part of it yeah even the ndlr story the way it happened for you you helped some in in singapore 
So that brings me to the other statement of being a go-giver or you know being generous, being generous, and this will come back to you one day or the other. You don't know how it's going to come back. So when you sat with Sahara Chairman Subroto Rai, you had a conversation that came back to you in a different way. You you helped this gentleman and the family in Singapore that came to you in a very different way. And it recently happened with the Zoom also. Yeah. Know, very interestingly, I mean, uh, we had brought the CRJ aircrafts, and we were operate. We were starting to operate. We were getting ready for operation, and I mean, we were getting. When we went to the the CA, we found that there is a type certification. There was something was missing. The engine type was missing because there was a different kind of engines when the approval was given. These are the new generation engines. The approval was given, but it was not reached the, the civil aviation authorities. It will take three months. Hmm. While I was in NDLR, I still recall we were starting a flight into Ranchi. And one of the guards at the Ranchi airport had come, and he said, "You know, sir, I have my son, all right, who's just done his engineering part of it. He could have barely speak English, mm. and this speaking guy, and he said, 'Can you help him get a job?' So I spoke to him. I was sitting there and waiting for the flight to come in. I was having a chat with him. Found him a very passionate boy, very very passionate mm. engineering, mm. learning boy, and this and that. I said, sir, 'Come, come, come with me in the flight.' Mm. He said, 'Sir,' I said, 'No, no, you'll come back tomorrow. Come.'" So I took him in the flight and asked him a lot of questions. He said, this is what we should do. This is what we should do. This is what I've learned. So he came, went back to Ranchi. Next day morning, I sent him his appointment letter mm. as a junior technician. Mm. Anyway, I mean, happened after that MDLR, I went to other airlines. So here, my Zoom Air, this is in 2006, uh, 2016 and 2017 January, this time of the year. Mm. We were struggling to get an approval. My boys were going, engineers were going, DGC was rejecting. So mm. I said, okay, let me go. So I went to the... DGCA with my documentation. Mm. And suddenly I say, someone come and suddenly touch my feet. Hey, I said, who's this? Mm. So everyone, my entire team, my chief engineer, everyone jumped because mm. this guy was supposed to be a very terror kind of guy. He said, sir, mm. don't you remember me? Mm. I said, yeah, I've seen you. He said, sir, you were the guy who gave me the job in aviation. I said, yeah. Oh, interesting. So he, he said, sir, come have a tea with me. He said, what happened? I said, yeah, these are the things. He said, this is not my department, but let me help you out. So in 15 minutes, he took out manuals. He mm. got his team member, made them sit down. He was a very senior guy by that time in Civil Aviation Authority. Mm. And I think 30 minutes, 15 minutes of having the tea, 15 minutes of his discussion, and another 30 minutes, I had mm. my approval to fly. Wow. Interesting. Everything so, comes back to you, son. Everything comes back everything to you. Every good deed comes back to you. Every good deed comes back to you. I think your interesting story has got a lot of lessons uh, cost them. I mean, I, we could go on for long. So we have already taken about an hour for you. So is there anything I should have asked cost them? See, I don't know anything about airline. My interest in talking to you was to get to understand how somebody starting as a hotel management graduate becomes uh, a CEO of a, it's a serial. You're a serial entrepreneur. You build airlines, you know, so it's very intriguing for me. Now I get some kind of, I'm able to connect the dots a little bit, uh, not really to the level uh, of detail uh, that you may be going through when you set up something, even running the project as a, I mean, I have done IT project plans versus mm-hmm. what you do could be very complex and every little thing, thing yeah. you have to take care of. So anything else I should have asked, which could be a valuable uh, learning for me and for the audience. I would like to say that, you know, there is so much of community, not only Indians, lot of Asian community in Australia, hmm. right? When these lockdowns happen, you could still with, travel within Australia. Why hasn't there been regional airlines in Australia? Why hasn't someone come up with an, you know, with a $20 million or a $10 million, $10 million Australian dollar to start an airline? That is exactly how much it costs to start an airline. 
and create these dots. During this COVID times, when everything was going down, Qantas was op- stopping operations and everything, mm-hmm. people were still traveling. That's an opportunity. That's a fantastic opportunity. A question should have come, why not Australia? Why not New Zealand? This is something what should what invest what people should look at, and it doesn't cost people have a perception it costs hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to create an airline. No, with a twenty million dollar fifty seater aircraft you can start an airline and you can do fantastic in the markets where you guys are. Interesting. And this is this is this is a learning which one must look at. Very interesting. Somebody listening who had that ambition, uh, I'm sure uh, will take this uh, conversation forward. And you did something similar during COVID in US, right? Last time I was talking to you. Yes, we we were trying. We are still trying and doing it. Okay. We're doing an interesting thing there. Okay. And UAE also we are trying to create. I mean, there is no intra-UAE flying. Whereas there is uh, so much of okay. opportunity. Yes, yes, yes. Something I, I which I'm trying to create. Interesting. So, Kastav, apart from your chef and building uh, hotel business and now building airlines, uh, is there anything else uh, you have as your interest? Well, I'm an ornithologist by choice. What does that mean, ornithologist? I deal into, I mean, I've done my studies in uh, birth, proper diploma course uh, in science of ornithology. So, I do that. I mean, I'm a bird watcher. I mean, real birds with the wings. Yeah. And I uh, take it up very seriously. I, I'm, I'm now thinking, taking up seriously. So whenever I'm there in different part of the world, I travel extensively. Hmm. So I keep on doing that. I've started creating now food blogs. Food uh, blogs. Yeah, this is something which I'm getting into some very unique cuisines all over the world. Hmm. Wherever I'm going, I'm creating that. So that hmm. will come live. Hmm. Uh, Your interest in life coaching, what was that about? That's That's something which I've started off. I started the life coaching, life uh, coaching training. I've started very small now. Yeah. So hopefully by next year, I'm looking at 2022, 23 to expand that okay. uh, into a lot of new entrepreneurs, how to be passionate, how to be a passionate entrepreneur is okay. what I am. I'm trying to teach people. Okay. That's a very interesting question. I would love to have continued this conversation, but we have taken a lot of time from you. So now you're a man with, uh, you know, the interest in food and then bird and airline. And of course you understand business and you understand what I took from this conversation is you understand customer service, you understand leadership. So I look at you as a, a true leader and it's all about people. And you give that example of if you misbehave with that guy, he can just take a screw away and, you know, you're screwed. So not not because he could do that. It's just this having this mindset of treating people nicely so they become representative of your business. Because as a CEO, you can't be everywhere. And people need to represent uh, you as the value system that you create in the organization. So I I got certain ideas uh, reaffirmed in my mind and it was a wonderful conversation. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to connect? Send me an email, send me a WhatsApp message. Okay, so I will will publish those in the show notes. And uh, thank you again, Kostav. And this has been a very interesting conversation for me. Now I know a little bit about... uh, People who build airlines. No, I still don't understand how people build airlines, but I know a little bit about people, how they think and how you operate. So thank you very much for coming again. Thanks, Hassan, And thanks for this lovely show of yours. I wish all the success. And I'm sure you're going to go very, very high in this. Thanks. Thanks, Hassan. Thanks, thanks Kasan. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast with your host Ehsan Ali. What I got from Kostav's journey is ambition combined with risk-taking ability and mentorship of right people have been his success secrets. Also, taking care of people and going against the popular norm have been other key factors in his success. What did you get out of Kostav's journey? Let me know. And if you're someone at a career crossroad or feeling stuck in your career or keen to transition into entrepreneurship, do connect with me on LinkedIn. I may be able to help you myself or will connect you with someone who's already been on the journey you're contemplating right now.